out minute this is the movie minute podcast which is a group movie minute podcast we break down the 2019 ryan johnson who done it knives out we're going to break it down one minute of screen time at a time i'm your host for this week my name is paul francis sullivan please call me sully i'm the host of locked on mlb podcast and i'm also the host and creator of Bull Durham Minute. And today we are going over Minute 110, which begins with Ransom in a flashback, sneaking past the gate at night, and ends with Benoit Blanc asking for a vial of morphine. Well, someone who's going to need a vial of morphine if we do any more episodes today of this marathon session we're doing here is the very talented and prolific podcaster of not just Fright Night Minute, but also Karate Kid Minute, which we all know has had, what, three sequels or two sequels with Daniel, one with Hillary Swank, uh, a reboot of a Karate Kid where they play, they do Kung Fu. I don't quite understand. And now, of course, Cobra Kai, which is an unbelievably great show, which I think everyone got addicted to right around the same time that we all finished watching Tiger King. He is the host of all of that and has been the guest on this week. It's Robin Burge. How are you doing, Robin? I'm doing great. I don't know if I've ever been introduced uh, more nicely, but saying, so thank you for that. Well, well we're getting people to listen to podcasts. Oh, here's some schmuck. <laughs> I don't know. Because they're, you know, they're great guests. They're great guest hosts. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Cool. Doing this, and this is actually this is going to be my last one. Your I'm last doing. one, yeah. No, so that this is a historic moment for everyone here. It's my last one too. I know, but I've been doing more. They're, they're, oh, sadder, for you. they're sadder to see me go. Um, <laughs> okay, let's get back to where 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 we're going. We're, we're jumping right back to when Ransom opens the gate, and we start. Yes, as we said, we saw. We're going back to places we had been to earlier. We're not seeing the shots repeated like him storming out of the uh, the party. We're seeing the sets where we saw the the results of him sneaking in. Mm-hmm. We saw the dirt on the ground. And, of course, when we saw all of it, we thought we were seeing the remnants of what Marta did when Marta she did. called up. But yeah. what actually was is that he did the whole thing as well. So we're being reminded of Marta climbing back up and, of course, breaking part of the little uh, – Trellis. The trellis. Thank yeah. you for – I would never – give me get, you could have given me 10 hours and I would not have come up with the word trellis. Thank you for cutting <laughs> the, the running length of this podcast down by, by over 10 hours. But um, – and to see, okay, oh, these are all the places we saw before. And but now we're seeing it with a different perspective, which is of ransom. 
Yeah. It, I mean, we see it first, the, you know, of course, Ransom smart enough to avoid the mud and leap over the fence uh, yeah. rather than uh, do that. But the Ryan Johnson's commentary actually pointed out when he comes up into the window, he says, watch, watch how Chris gets his foot up on the sill right when he's coming over. You can see, you know, that would be a place where he'd leave mud, you know, so Chris would always make sure to do that as he is leaping through that that window. Um, um, and, uh, so, you know, he paid, made sure to pay special attention to how he came through. Cause you know, the character would be leaving, uh, uh, dirt about, um, and, and this, this, by the way, Harlan's office and the whole connecting hallway, those that's all soundstage. They, they did the exterior. I mean, I'm sure this is covered in other minutes, but the mm. exterior was the private mansion and I gotta, I got to get to Ames Mansion where they filmed most of the interiors, at least to study and all that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but yeah, Harlan's office and the whole connect this whole through the window. That's all soundstage. And uh, and David Crank, as we mentioned, he's a production designer. Uh, he's quoted as saying, uh, "The funny thing is that the way the office hallway and the upper floor were, we built on set was designed." it wouldn't have fit in the actual house you see in the film. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I brought that up uh, in, in one of my minutes. Yeah. And that, it just goes to show you when you're, when you're getting into a film like this, that the, when you see the exteriors, which was shot in one mansion in, uh, in Massachusetts, and then the interiors is a different place. If you, look at the exterior and you look at the interior, they don't match. That's the, the way they right. the way to flow, but it doesn't matter because you see little things like in the scene that I had where Don Johnson throws a baseball out the window and then we cut to outside, you see a baseball coming out the window or they leave a room and you just see them walk out into the patio. It just psychologically, that's all the connection you need. Yeah. When you're really into a story and into what's happening, you don't notice, uh, you know, flaws in the continuity or maybe flaws in the layout because you're following the baseball thing throw. you're following yeah. the unfolding you know it's one of my favorite films of all time is goodfellas and goodfellas has a few overwhelmingly whopping continuity errors sometimes within a scene <laughs> that i don't notice till the third or fourth time i watch the film because i just love the movie so much i go like Oh, that scene that uh, Paul Sorvino's cigar disappears. He starts <laughs> saying, there's a cigar in his mouth. They cut the other shot. It's gone. I didn't even notice. Why would I notice? Right. I'm coming to the scene. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not here watching cigars. <laughs> and the fact that the, this, uh, the set of the, the fold away fake wall and the office and the hallway doesn't fit into the exterior. Well, who cares? Yeah. I, I it love the story. It doesn't fit. <laughs> may, it may not fit in geography, but I'm not an architect. Right. Yeah. Maybe an architect would be like, Hey, like completely be put out of it. That cross beam doesn't fit. <laughs> I uh, demand a refund. <laughs> I love that painting on the secret door, the client, the child climbing through the window. And then on the other side, it is just the same painting, oh, but yeah. really, but also like, it, it, as much as I love it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why it's there. It's a secret entrance to a window that goes to a trellis. That's not even a 
entrance, it's a, it's a, it's a trellis. So I don't quite understand why it's even there. <laughs> it's because it's the line that, that, uh, Lakeith Stanfield says earlier that he's living in a clue board. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's like, it's, it's, it, they're fun secret passages and you get the sense that there's so many other things like that in this house. Right. You know, like, like this wall folds up this part. There's probably things that you don't even know that are in this, which kind of actually kind of reminds me of, <laughs> I mean, we're, we, we, there's an obvious James Bond connection because of, of Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, when I saw uh, Moonraker, which is one of my least favorite Bond films. And, um, he's in the film he he he's in brazil and he a boat he's driving falls off a waterfall how does he get out of it well he presses a button and a hang glider is built into the boat and he gets (laughs) on hang glider and i remember watching that as an 11 year old and my friend matt doyle who was 12 13 at the time said oh yeah i always bring a hang glider wherever i'm on my boat And, (laughs) and I remember thinking then, I wonder how many things Bond has that Q gave him that he doesn't use. Yeah. Like somewhere in his pack, there's like this, he has this like the, like a spring with a, with a boxing glove on it. Or I have these shoes that are, that, that have missile launchers that I just didn't use. Right. In this. And, um, and that reminds me, I wonder how many things are in this house that are totally wackadoodle. Uh, that they don't do. And it, there's got to be one of those bookshelves has got to move. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's for darn sure. Yeah. The, the, the whole painting, like the, the painting on one side of the door makes sense, but the painting on the other side of the door, just facing out the window, doesn't make any sense to me. Like, are they trying to make it look like Ted Danson's looking out that window or something like that? That's a, yeah, that's, that's a, a three minute, movie. that's a three minute baby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't quite understand that but whatever it works it's fun it is it's like a clue board kind of thing and um oh the other thing uh if you notice there's dolls all over the place in different yeah. there, you see one on the bureau inside harlan's bedroom and i guess that's a homage to sleuth the the movie with michael kane all right and michael kane and Lawrence olivier yeah, yeah. Which so. has a couple of things that I will not spoil, but if that's another good film if you're into whodunits and everything, mm-hmm. um, and and eccentric detectives. <laughs> uh, what I love about this, and this is, I'm going to go back to JFK for a second. <laughs> there you go. The the scene when uh, when we're watching the scene and Marta's fumbling with this file, that file, this thing, that thing is so confusing, but also so frantic. Yeah. Where's this bottle? Oh, where's this on it? And the, the confusion is, is off the charts in that scene. And you feel so badly for her because you know, she's going to blame herself for whatever's happening. And Christopher Plummer is so loving in that scene, but she is like frantic. And in this, they throw a lot of things at you. It's like this file, that file, this syringe, this syringe, he moved this, move this. Yeah. And, it is, it's, it, they throw so much information at you that there's n- no way you could digest all of that on your first viewing. But it is like those scenes in JFK when it's like, remember that really confusing scenes? Well, trust me, there was something going on and it involved this and involved this. And you could kind of sit back without, without following all the details. You go like, oh, that was, that was the result of this. That was so confusing 
because this happened before. And I may not know 100% understand what's happening, but it's because Captain America did this, and that's why this <laughs> happened to Colonel Van Trapp. Yeah. And so it's it, this is one of those things and that, that Daniel Craig is saying everything so – he's throwing so much information in a very compressed – we know it's less than a minute because this clip is only a minute long yeah. – uh, period of time that it gives the uh, – the sense of that whole confusion is a result of this conf- that, that this that chaos is a result of this of him movie. doing it. yes yeah. and so it doesn't it almost doesn't matter what he was doing it was the fact that he did something that disrupted the order that Marta had Marta has a certain order duh, 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 and that he did enough of a shell game there to mix it up which is kind of interesting when you consider one of the things that set him off was the fact that she was better than him at the game of Go, where you place things in a certain order. And so I'm going to get these things out of order, and that's going to mess you up, and that's going to lead to the death of Thromby. How does Ransom know so much about Harlan's medication? <laughs> I I just think, like, it might be a little bit more believable if like there was a day passed and you knew that he did some, or has he been like going, you know, if there was a way to kill him, let me think about it and did some sort of research about the medication. So he had that kind of bullet in the chamber, uh, as it were, and knowing that he could just switch these medications. It just seems like weird that he knows it. And it comes up with this idea of switching them so quickly. I will uh, tell you, I will tell you this, uh, when it, it's amazing what you'll learn about medication when it involves a family member. I mean, I'm not going to go into my dad and I was helping take care of my father. So I was there every single day with my dad. So I was more, I wasn't quite right. Marta, but I was there every day with my pop, uh, but, you know, his last days in the home before being, you know, anyway, but uh, I had to learn a lot about medication and we oh. need to take this and need to take that. And when someone like either a cousin or some other family member was there, you kind of learned a little bit about this or that. And you can, you can get a lot of information and you can, and people will volunteer information uh, when, you know, when there's something like this, I and mean, they could very well have even been a scene with like someone like Jamie Lee Curtis's character saying, all right, everyone, in case Marta's not here, he needs A, B, and C. Like you kind yeah, of have to by emergency. So it, it's a, you'd be surprised of how much that information you can retain and that everyone needs to have an emergency plan. You know, if Marta's not here, we all got to do this. And uh, of course he very rarely was there, but, everyone probably had to, maybe it was in an email or something that, that he had that, but you, you learn to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I just think like ransom seems to be the kid. That's never, he never seems to be even around, you know, he kind of drifts in and out. Um, But, you know, maybe I'm just taking that uh, the idea of his party as, yeah. I just thought there was, that was something about his character that he, doesn't usually come around. He's the least involved in his family. But one of the yeah. things I like about the film is they didn't take the time to explain that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they know, did. 
they may they may have like maybe he they could have had one shot of him with like any like a printed out email of you know emergency instructions for dad or something but or it doesn't matter it just let's move on he did that and this is uh, a little bit of running through the paint and hoping that you don't leave footprints <laughs> yeah one nice little uh, detail is they paid attention to that clock that is there. Like, you know, that he was, he was working on that bag for about two minutes. It, it, as you see that go back and forth, it's, it's 1021. And then all of a sudden it's 1023 uh, when it comes back. So he was in there working. Also, uh, what a weird doorway. It's just like an archway. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't hit your head coming through this thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's funny. You see some old houses where they do have, those like it's like they had the shape of the house first and then they tried to build the interior around that i've been in houses in uh not in massachusetts but i've been in one that was in uh the poconos in pennsylvania where you're and and actually a bed and breakfast near where you were in vermont Mm -hmm. uh where i stayed at once and um like the it's like they had this beautiful design for a house and they built the house and then they said oh god we got to build hallways in this and there's a couple <laughs> of points where it's like yeah this is going to be a tight fit so but it also goes to the disorientation it creates a disorientation there and i think that that's uh uh i think that's uh uh i think that all works yeah there's another, there's more stacks of books in there. Like there's not enough room in the library, or maybe you were just given the impression that Harlan has brought books into his room and then just like kind of left them there to be reshelved eventually. <laughs> and he takes the naloxone, how do you pronounce it? Naloxone. Naloxone. Yeah. I think and, we're, I think it's basically like Narcan. <laughs> and, exactly. And <laughs> I think that it's, uh, uh, and it's great that that, that which was the most confusing part that when you're watching that scene, you're like, Ooh, this something's happening here. Mm-hmm. Something's happening here. That's what was happening. It was taken away. And that is one of the moments in the scene where um, Benoit Blanc really puts his, there's no levity in his voice. Yeah. This is, this is accusatory. Mm-hmm. I got you. You're a murderer. He's got those cold blue James Bond eyes out for that like last part there. <laughs> yeah, it's actually one of the few shots where he looks like James Bond. Yeah, you know that he's so he is so this eccentric Foghorn Leghorn character throughout the entire movie. But here we're starting to see oh that there's there's the Bond killer. Yeah, the Bond killer. And he's uh, slam his head, slam Captain America's head into a sink any any minute now. So <laughs> there you go. You have you have the stars of two gigantic. You know, you know, two gigantic franchises, mm-hmm. and that are s- still so vitally relevant in our pop culture world. And we're going to put them in a scene where they're talking about switching vials. That's one of the things that makes this film so refreshing. It's a film that you, you're telling. I've said this in the in the previous minute, but here's a film for grown-ups. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Film for grown-ups does not mean serious. Film for grown-ups does not mean it has to be about this. Uh, genocide or this, you know, horrible thing. It could be just a fun movie for grownups. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was a success is that, you know, everyone was offering ice cream and this was the one movie offering cheesecake. And people are like, <laughs> you know what? I like ice cream, but I wouldn't want some cheesecake. 
I was uh, I was also excited about Anna de Armas being in this uh, as being a fan of uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, she I, she first got to my attention in that movie, and she's just gorgeous. And of course, uh, in those big versions of her, and the neon and the the blue hair and all that, she's, it's so funny how plain she looks in this movie. Although she's still remarkably beautiful, but yeah, she's remarkably beautiful, but she's not as they're not bringing her into the film. This is actually probably another reason why it was appealing for her. said, we want you in this film, but we're not here to accentuate your sex appeal and have you be eye candy. We're here. We're going to de-glamorize you. We're going to take away all the things that you normally think. We're not going to, you're going to be in like a sweater, you know, you're wearing a sweater and a sweatshirt over that. You're not going to have makeup on. You're going to be looking, your, your brow is going to be furrowed and we're going to show you, as a compelling actress where you're going to, she has to carry a gigantic load of this film (laughs) in a film where it's filled with recognizable movie stars that she has to carry the majority of the weight of this film and not do so as like, Oh man, she's super hot. You almost (laughs) have to remember like, Oh yeah, she was a a sex object literally in the Blade Runner sequel and is a bond woman in the upcoming James Bond film, but here she's the borderline invisible housekeeper kind of, well, she's not the maybe like nurse, or, or, you know, yeah. uh, a house nurse. And, um, and I think that, I think for everyone involved in this film who got to take, who got to participate in the film, we're all playing parts that would be surprising for them to see whether, you know, you got to see, uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis as a sort of bossy matriarch. We get to see, obviously, Captain America and James Bond play off each other. We got to see uh, Don Johnson play a pompous jerk who's who's exposed as being, uh, you know, a full of it windbag. We get to see Tony Collette play against character, and of course, yeah. and I pointed out the funniest the funniest performance of the movie is by Michael Shannon who's an Oscar-nominated dramatic actor. Yes. And he has some of the funniest, and you know he is, you put him in a comedy. You want to say, do you want, forget Will Ferrell, I want to see him in a wacky comedy because he has the chops. And I it's, I love this. And of course you said, here's a woman like, hey, we're going to cast you in a big budget film. All right, do I got to have to wear a push-up bra? No, sweatshirt, no makeup. <laughs> Some of the most memorable scenes you're in, you're going to be throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about be, destroying there's gonna be, Yeah, there's going to be bits of chunks of vomit on your face. <laughs> what? Sign me up for a sequel. <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, this was their introduction to her. Mm-hmm. For most people, even even I, I'd seen the, the, the Blade Runner sequel. I didn't realize until like 40 minutes into it who she was. Huh. I was like, oh, wait a minute, that's her. Yes, I saw that she was in in the cast list, but like, I was like, I wonder if she, oh, that's her. Like, yeah. I didn't recognize her. And and I thought her completely compelling. So I, I that's smart. And I think when you get actors who you're willing to say, hey, do you want to do something you don't always do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and it's fun for the audience to see because... You know, it's like, oh, look, I get to see them do something different. And it's fun to see people do stuff that's different. And it's not always, you know, when you get someone who gets out of their comfort zone to do something new, 
uh, that's a blast. You know, it's a blast to see, uh, you know, a, a, a like Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. where you have you have you know Billy Madison in a absolutely gut wrenching, harrowing drama. That's incredible to see. You know, it's the same way it was like, oh, check it out. Mr. Mom could be Batman. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, well, look at you and I, we've done a bunch of these. I think we're, we need to get on with our lives. But, hey, tell people about your podcast and where people can follow you and a little bit about what you're doing. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, if you like minute-by-minute minute podcasts, I'm just going to kind of centralize on those. Uh, one I've completed is Fright Night Minute. And I'm pretty proud of that, uh, especially since I was able to get a couple of cast members on there, including the the amazing Chris Sarandon. Uh, I, oh, I actually wow. got to spend some time talking with him about not just his role as uh, uh, Jerry Dandridge, but uh, also you know his other major roles as well. Academy Award um, nominee. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and also, uh, now I'm into the Karate Kid Minute, and we're going to be going through the entire franchise and not the reboots, uh, <laughs> one minute at a time, and in some, you know, many minutes at a time, who knows, and uh, talking about Cobra Kai as well. So, um, you know, just checking out, you can search for those on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, yada, yada. All right. And you can follow, I'm still doing Locked On MLB. Uh, for you baseball fans out there and for the movie Minute fans, uh, I completed Bull Durham Minute. We had a lot of great guests on there, um, including Ben Mankiewicz from a, a Turner Classic Movies, did a few episodes with us. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, we got uh, Jenny Robertson, who played the part of Millie in Bull Durham, did an episode with us, who was great. Todd Radom, uh, regular at ESPN, uh, a bunch of other uh comedians and writers and i had all three members of the indiana jones minute uh jerry tom and pete were all on the episode together where we broke down and and had a lot of fun and and uh there you go so you could follow us knives out men on twitter and you can also check me out on twitter i'm at sully baseball what's your twitter handle again l robinero well l robinero this has been a lot of fun having Mr. Robin Burge on the show and everyone else. I've had a blast doing Knives Out Minute. Hope you've been enjoying it. The next host, who's our next host? Who's, who's going to be coming up next? It is going to be, drumroll, Ryan Murphy is going to be on. So that should be cool. a lot of fun. Ryan's done a bunch of episodes leading up to this. So that'll be a lot of fun. So good luck, Ryan, with the upcoming minutes. Everyone else, thanks for listening. This has been Knives Out Minute. I'm your host for this week, Paul Francis Sullivan.